0: It's the time of year when a lot of us recalculate our sleep clocks, if we're able to. And we sure recalculate our sleep clocks for our children. Whether they're 6 or 16, everybody needs a little bit of a correction. We talked to Amanda Jusen, who's a sleep expert, about just that on Toronto Today. We previewed our guests, which we should probably do more often, because then people are like, ask her this, ask her that. But I got a question, uh, is... is uh is a 16-year-old sorry is seven hours of sleep enough for a 14-year-old because that's what my kids been getting all summer i'm gonna guess our next guest will say no but we're trying to turn our 14 and 16 year old around in our hurry but you got to do it gradually amanda juicens a sleep expert and consultant and kind enough to join us now it's great to have you on you're a popular person this time of year after the last nine weeks of of summer (laughs) especially especially with parents of teenagers i bet (laughs)
1: That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, teen parents, especially, it's so funny that the very first question you ask is about teen because (laughs) teen parents are always so panicked and and, and for good reason. We have these kiddos who used to sleep like dreams. All of a sudden, they become 12 and up. They can't fall asleep. They seem tired all day they, you know, we're trying to rouse them in the morning. They're like, absolutely not. It's not happening. But there are really good biological reasons for that. Their circadian mm-hmm. rhythm totally shifts. They don't feel tired until much later. But the world hasn't changed for them. So they still have to get up early for school. And it's really challenging.
0: It is really challenging. And I know with the we used to have quad the last two years in school. So for a lot of high school kids. The, the morning started later and the day finished later. Not great, but it, it is what it, it was, what it was. I'll put it that way. They're getting yeah. up earlier now. There's back to we're yeah. back to 830 home rooms and getting on school yeah. buses at 715. So it's a big change even from 12 months ago, Amanda.
1: It really is, and you're actually seeing in some um, areas in the United States where they are moving high schools and middle schools to a much later start time to accommodate the essentially the, the sleep needs of the children, um, because we know that kids who aren't getting enough sleep do have issues with learning. We see cognitive impairments when mm-hmm. we aren't getting enough sleep, and you know there are some areas I'm sure that kids are being bussed in where they're having to get up at 5.30, 6.00, 6 o'clock in the morning, and it just doesn't align with what they need biologically. Um, so the later start times are actually really beneficial. And in these areas where we are seeing kids starting school later and ending later, their school performance is so much higher, they're happier, and they're rested.
0: Can you identify, if you were to spend time with kids, can you identify kids that need less sleep? Maybe they're more active. Maybe they're more athletic. Maybe they eat better. Does that ever factor in? Could you look at two 14-year-olds, again, without, without uh, too much judgment on one as opposed to the other? Could you look at two 14-year-olds and go, oh, this one needs a lot more sleep than the other?
1: Yeah. You know, the great thing about sleep needs is they're very apparent, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for the most part. There are usually significant um, consequences when kids aren't getting enough sleep or they're getting too much sleep. So, you know, for that tired teen, you're going to see signs they are going to appear dozy. They might seem, you know, I actually taught teens for years and years and years. Um, And I'll tell you in the classroom, you see it. It's the head on the desk. It's the, you know, really struggling to get through first and Second period, um, and then you sort of get a little bump in the afternoon, which is kind of nice. So you'll see that, um, mm-hmm. you know, with with teens as well um, who need more sleep, you're going to see, and we actually see with high performing athletes mm-hmm. quite naturally, they need more sleep. Um, so they might sleep a really long time. You're going to see people who need less sleep. Um, so I always say to my clients, both adults and kids, evaluate the person in front of you. If your child is getting you know back to that that listener question if they're getting seven hours of sleep, they seem okay they're performing well in school, there's no mood concerns, there's no anxiety, there's no depression, they're doing well socially, they're probably okay. Um, and on the uh, you know other side if you have a sleepy teen and or child who can't get out of bed, they seem really exhausted and there's all sorts of other consequences, you're going to want to have a chat with your doctor and have that evaluated.
0: And I wonder if that is just that theory of inertia, too, right? A body a body in motion tends to stay in motion. So I wonder about that. My recollection from high school is um, you, you'd get up early in the morning and you go to early practices. You'd have a badminton practice or an indoor soccer practice or something. Getting that activity really early on, um, you might hit a wall a little later on in the day, but that really spurs you. For early mornings. Uh, My kid was at the gym last night uh, with a couple of friends. He's 16 until 945. And I'm like, it might be harder for him to get to bed uh, when he gets back because he's all revved up and he's 16. But at the same time, I'd rather see it than not see it. If if you're a bit sluggish, sleep's hard to come by sometimes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the the really cool thing about that is it's so in line with what his body is probably doing naturally. Again, it's that delayed circadian rhythm thing where he's mm-hmm. going to feel more energy in the afternoon, want to sleep in. Um, it really, you know, the, the funny thing, and when you look at sleep biology and you look at the science of sleep, we actually know that people are kind of predetermined to be those early risers or or late risers. These are, you know, I I feel Back a million control, not a million years ago, but back when we were all sort of needing to look out for each other, right? And there needed to be safety. There needed to be people who got up early and there needed to be be, be people who stayed up really late and watched over everyone, right? Yeah. So there was some protective factors involved in that. But we are actually starting to see that this nine to five schedule or our earlier day really does disadvantage people with a later circuit rhythm who really struggle with getting up early in the morning and you know there are people who just cannot do those early morning practices or function well when they do
0: amanda is our guest she's a sleep expert joining us on toronto today um, a couple adult questions in a second but but i'd ask about teens um it, what i'm seeing is sleep sort of stabilizes around age 20 is that sort of your your sort of sweet spot to where you know kids become teenagers, become young adults, and they can kind of do it on their own. They don't need the guidance. And and most times, most 20 year olds probably aren't living at home. So they've got to self-regulate.
1: Yeah, you know, we do see things get better around that time, but it's hard to say if it's if it's a, a regulation of that circadian rhythm, or perhaps they are actually young adults, uh, many of that age range are in school. They can choose their schedule. Like, look, I'm not a morning person at all. <laughs> Probably I went, well, I went into this role, um, but I made all of my classes in university as late as humanly possible. And so um. it doesn't really start to be an issue until you're in the workforce when you have to get up and be up and at them at nine o'clock. But, yeah, I would say in that earlier, the 20s, um, we start to see that regulate.
0: So I'm up at 345 in the morning and I probably Mm -hmm. so I I, but I go to bed late. I probably slept four hours last night and I probably I can't tell some people say, how do you do it? And I'm not sure I do do it. But at the same (laughs) time, (laughs) I'm not sure I'm doing it. I'm sure not sure I'm doing it the right way. Is there too long a nap? We got a we got a big core audience that gets up, they're on the road early, they're driving a truck or they teach or they work in the medical field, and I think they utilize an afternoon nap. Is there too long a nap in the afternoon? <laughs> Mrs. Brady, by the way, would argue certainly there is, especially when, <laughs> you know, the pool needs vacuuming or somebody needs to get picked up from the from uh from school. She'd argue there's there are there there are naps that are too long in the Brady household. I'll put it that way.
1: I love that you said that because I was just going to say it depends on the time of the day, <laughs> what she's asked you to do. Um, okay. So it really depends. So in, in this circumstance, your job and many shift workers, medical professionals, their jobs require them to be up at odd hours. Um, in those cases, it's a safety issue to really be napping and, and kind of make sure that you're back on track during the day. If you were feeling sleepy... now walking around saying, you know, I'm a little bit tired or, you know, I had a bad sleep. I don't feel as great. is a little bit different than feeling sleepy right. and sleepy means you're nodding off. You're having trouble concentrating on the conversation. Maybe it's not really safe for you to drive or conduct any task. Then it's absolutely essential. You jump into bed and have a decent nap. Um, you probably don't want to go over an hour or two because that's probably going to mess with your ability <laughs> to fall asleep later. Um, Um, But if for the average Joe, who's just kind of walking around and has your nine to five job, you know, there's actually a lot of new evidence to show a Mm -hmm. very short 20, 25 minute nap can be super restorative. Um, increase our cognitive functioning, our concentration. And we really want to limit the amount of sleep um, because if we are, if we're not that shift worker and we do have to go to bed at a regular time and we have eight to 10 hours of sleep ahead of us, then it can be challenging to fall asleep and stay asleep with big, long naps. So I guess the question is dependent on what you're doing and how safe it is for you. I
0: got 45 seconds, Amanda. Do men nap? This is from a listener, too. You're very popular this morning. Do men nap more than women? Or is it just an urban myth? I mean, I know there's a man there's a thing called the man flu. Of course, I've never had it. But do men nap more than women?
1: Here's what I'll say, but we do know the evidence shows us that men tolerate discomfort less so than women. And I'll leave it at that oh, for boy. your listeners to take what they do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm taking some stuff from that. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. And the next time we talk, I, I'll have things to say about it. Hey, I loved having you on. Thanks so much. And if you ever need a... Uh, uh, a science experiment to uh, for people to, you know, uh, model, uh, model them, not model themselves after I'm your guy uh, for a sleep awesome. clinic or any kind of, any kind of a uh, science experiment. You can uh, just throw me on a, ca- uh, a couch and uh, let people observe me. It's, it's not pretty.
1: I love it. Anytime I'll call you. The, yes. <laughs> I, I,
0: I thought I'd get that. Thanks very much, man. Appreciate it.
1: <laughs> My pleasure. Have a good one.
0: I will um, uh, nap. I think she means Amanda juice and sleep expert and consultant.